This is Chat and Spin Radio. Keep it locked on chatandspinradio.com. Thanks so much, Ben Agrandadi, for coming on the show today. Marvellous to hear you. And uh, congratulations on your books, most recent book, My Terrifying, Shocking, Humiliating, Amazing Adventures in Online Dating. How are you today, Ben? I'm very good, Tessa. Thanks very much. How are you? Good, yeah. Okay, thanks. Um, Just uh, surviving through the lockdown and uh, still we're in the 13th week of it now. Is, is, Is it better in London now with you? Better. Uh, life is still strange, obviously. Um, everything's closed. People are socialising in parks. Yeah. And uh, lots of people have moved their social activities into. And so we're just lucky, I think, to have the weather to do it right now. If this had happened in the yeah. winter time, when dark at four o'clock and it was cold, we'd be in a lot more trouble. Absolutely, that's a very good point. Um, but it's great to speak to you, Ben, and a marvellous new book that you have written, and it's all about online dating. How did you get the idea, Ben, for this book? Uh, well, I was online dating myself after splitting up from a long-term relationship, and because I'm in my 50s now, the last time I was really single online data didn't exist and so I, I came to it as a as an older person who had no idea that things had become digital since the days when I was courting and so um, I was adjusting to this completely new and sometimes frightening way that we now meet and all my ideas about what was happening my observations were were all forming at the time when I was dating myself and so I thought well this this needs to be put down in a book because at that time there wasn't anything in terms of guidance for, for the particular age group that mm. I was in, people who were divorced yeah. with children and are uh, coming to it as older daters. There wasn't really anything for us and I was concerned that we were just crashing into the apps without yes. any kind of info about what to do and therefore it was hurting the experience of, of us finding what we were looking for. So it, it started there, really. Absolutely. It sounds such a, a fascinating world, really. But you do strike me, Ben, as somebody who wouldn't normally find it hard to um, find a partner or a date. You're very striking-looking. You're um, established author. You were a model, too, in your younger days. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Everybody is struggling with it because... Um, you want to attract the right person. Sure. You don't want to attract somebody because of what they think you are, whether that's aesthetically easy on the eye or whether it's because you're professionally this or that. And so we're all looking for genuine people and, and, and approaches that are about the person and stuff. So the, the difficulty is... You know, in the old days, we met people one at a time at a social event. Yes. And online, what makes it difficult to find your to find your partner, whatever your situation, whatever whether you're beautiful or not, what makes it difficult is the sheer volume of people that you have to wait through in order to get to the ones that are suitable for you. So it is it is a lot more complicated and more 
parameters for for finding somebody. So yes. on one hand, it's good there are so many people, but on the other hand, it's a daunting prospect to have to kind of flip through thousands of faces at once. You know? Yeah, absolutely. It must be a bit like trying to find a needle in a haystack. Very much so. And it is really a symptom of what has happened to our to our culture now now that things have become digital there is a lot of purchase put on the fact that we now have all this choice but I in my opinion we just don't want it yeah now we now we have a choice of 6,000 different wines in the supermarket and 25 cheeses and 3,000 films on Netflix it's actually not helping us what we want really is someone to tell us these are the three cheeses that are good yes these are the three films that are good on Netflix and these are the three people that are potentially good for you as a partner. Mm. So choice has become the opposite of what it was intended to do. We now have so much of it, we're just completely daunted. Yeah, that's very interesting. And Ben, do you find you're, you're based in central London, and obviously it must be a kind of wider um, sphere of people around there. Does it help your, where you're based for this kind of thing, or do you think it doesn't matter at all? It matters hugely for our particular age group. So dating when you're in your 40s and 50s, everybody is, is divorced. Sure. Usually with children, and many of them don't live in London or no longer live in London. You know, they moved out before they, when they got married and stuff, and then they've got divorced and they're, and they're stuck out in the commuter belt. Sure. But so one of the things I've learned is that location is one of the most important logistical problems that people need to talk about up front before they even get to romance. So yes. one of the early things that I learned is if, you, if you're dating somebody who lives in another city, then a lot of your time is just spent traveling. And you may yeah. not mind that beginning when you're enthusiastic about somebody who seems great. Mm. But after a few months of being on the train on a Friday going up to some some place and then coming back on Sunday and you realise how much it's costing yes. and you realize you're really only there for a, a day or two then you've got to come back. Mm -hmm. You know, these things really start to wear you out and so geography is a very, very important factor that we sometimes overlook in our enthusiasm for the people that we're meeting. So even now in lockdown, traveling is difficult and people yeah. can't travel safely. Going mm. out with somebody who lives in Manchester or something, you know, you just very, very difficult. So mm. I think we all have to start locally first and then see what we can generate there. But in London, I'm spoiled because London is the town where you have a lot of candidates. People yeah. that are living outside of town that are looking, that are in a difficult position. Oh, of course, yeah, that's true. And Ben, how do you reckon the whole pandemic is affecting dating and especially online dating? It's had a massive impact. I mean, on one level, some people have pulled back from it because they can't meet, and so they see no point. Yeah. Some people are, are still wanting to do it and have evolved new habits. So, for example, a lot of people are doing video calling now yeah. as a substitute, and that has become a massive new mm. and beneficial addition to it. Because obviously, with video, you can you can check somebody out if you like first before you have to walk out the door and yes. travel somewhere and have a shower and put on makeup and all of that kind of stuff. 
you yeah. can check somebody out from your living room without going out, and that is a really good way of of um, of seeing what somebody's all about before you get to the stage of yeah of physically physically meeting them. So yeah. that is an innovation that we we should we should be doing even when lockdown is fully over. That's something that I think is of benefit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, other, the other thing that's different, obviously, is if you do meet for a date, some people don't want to, but the ones that do, obviously, the date is a socially distanced meeting, so right. you're yeah. standing apart from somebody, there's not even a handshake or a hug, hello or goodbye, so that's very difficult. Very odd, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the dates can only take place in the park, because okay. everything is closed, okay. and so, and the park's these are weird logistical things. All the toilets are closed, so the, mm. the, the length of the date is determined by how long you can be with somebody without having to go to the toilet. <laughs> True, very. Because there is no. It's, it's a tricky thing to say to somebody on the first date. Excuse me, I need to go behind the bushes. So <laughs> you might not want to do that. The date short, yeah. an hour, because they need they, they have to be able to go home to go to yeah. the toilet. You see? So there's all these weird things to do with everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a very interesting point. And Ben, would you recommend this t- this type of way for meeting? After all your experiences and with the book and everything, would you say that this is a good way to meet somebody, or would you prefer the old-fashioned method? I would always prefer the old-fashioned method because I'm I'm 55 and I'm from that era. Yeah. Um, but the cold reality is that era is over, and so we need to adapt. To the times. This is a kind of, in a way, very, a very established question. What do we do when technology mm. comes and blames a culture? We've, we've had it in the past with, with a video on demand moving from physical VHSs and blockbuster video stores to streaming. Absolutely. And so once stuff becomes digital, we, we're no longer in a position to be Luddites about it and say we're not doing it because the thing has shifted. Yep. And so now with dating, it's shifted from meeting individuals to our normal social or professional lives and it has now become digital and that's the way now most people meet. So for our age group especially, yeah. our social networks are that much smaller now because yeah. when you've got kids and you're divorced, you're not going out with the same degree of energy that you would when you would have when you were 20, let's say. So the typical scenario is, you know, you finish work on a Friday, you put your children to bed, and then you flop on the sofa exhausted with a glass of wine and you watch Netflix. You don't mm. get showered up and get into a, a taxi and go into town dancing. We kind of <laughs> tend not to do that. Yeah. So our social networks are that much smaller, and so therefore... Where are we going to meet anybody? This is the question. So, so in a way, we need the digital mm-hmm. uh, apps more than the youngsters. I think they just need to work better. And yep. We need to evolve a better way of of being able to ascertain who's right for us and who isn't. Yeah, absolutely. Very good point. But I guess everything is changing, as you say, Ben. I mean, even the way that books are coming out and books are published and writers are working, you as you are an established writer, you've had another book published 10 or 15 years before. You've written for The Guardian, GQ magazine, um, but you also publish your own books. So how does that all work? Yes. Um, 
So I started off writing in the traditional way with a with an agent and and uh, publishing through publishing companies, and then I decided that I want to have wanted to have more control over the subject matter, more autonomy, uh, and to be more creative with with the types of books that I was producing, and also wanted to I wanted the books to catch up with what was happening digitally, especially with with marketing and, and with the reality of books being sold increasingly yeah. online rather than through bookstores. And just just as I am sentimental about going to bookstores and seeing and touching the books and stuff, just as I'm sentimental about dating in the real sense, mm. the reality is there also books are really now predominantly sold online and, and not in stores, and this has been accelerated by the lockdown. So with stores closed, bookstores closed, now people have moved to buying them on Amazon or downloading e-books, Kindles, etc. And so yeah. that industry also is digitizing itself. And so I wanted to be able to produce my own titles and also potentially grow my own publishing company and bringing other writers to try and generate something which was a little bit more forward-thinking. So mm. that's really what I was trying to do there. Excellent. And Ben, how do you find it doing everything yourself? Did you? What time frame did you write this book in? So this book I wrote in, in five and a half months. Wow, that's uh, quick. The, 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 be the beauty of it is when you publish digitally is, you know, you, you, you finish your book, you proofread it, you design your cover, and then you upload it to the cloud from your computer, and then 24 hours later it's available worldwide as a print on what we call a print on demand title in other words okay the books the books don't exist physically right. until somebody orders one and then yeah. the, the printer prints one copy packages it and then mails it to whoever's ordered it so that means there's less waste absolutely um, yeah very um, eco-friendly exactly it's like mm. a cleaner way of, of doing it which is very very attractive mm. so it makes it very easy you can publish from your be a publisher now from your laptop. You don't need any heavy artillery. Everything can happen through your machine, and then mm. and then people can buy your book any anywhere in the world. So that's yeah. incredibly empowering for the writer. Mm -hmm. Of course, as you just mentioned, the, the the downside is you you have a lot. You have many more duties that you have to do yourself. Yeah, uh, which take you away from the pure job of just writing. Mm -hmm. And that makes it, that pushes it out of the reach of a lot of writers who don't want to do anything else other than just produce copy. Yes. And so in that case, you know, they have to continue to publish through the traditional method unless they've got the money to hire other people to do those roles. Yeah, absolutely. But I, everything is changing so much that it's really quite hard, I would imagine, unless you're you know, kind of Ian Rankin or Barbara Taylor Bradford or some kind of author who sells millions upon millions of books to carry on in the traditional methods? Yes, I mean, a lot of it now has become about social media. Mm -hmm. So what I've found out, also to my cost as somebody who's from the older generation, is, is if, you've got, if you don't have the social media numbers, then it's very, very hard to sell your books. And certainly publishers right. and agents now are more reluctant to take on writers who do not have substantial social media followers. In fact, they look at those numbers first before they decide whether or not to sign you. 
Yeah, so quite this a is sad. a totally radical <laughs> and quite new development. Yeah. So when I first started out, they were only interested in the quality of the narrative because there was no such thing as social media. Whereas now, they look at the numbers first. Mm. And if you have the numbers, then they'll sign you. So almost now, my advice to young writers would be forget writing that first novel, build up your social media numbers first. Mm. Because then an agent or a publisher will be more keen to sign you. And I, I hate to say that because it should just be about quality. But actually now it's about social media numbers because they're looking at it from a marketing perspective. Yeah. How much work will it take me to sell your book? Mm. And if, that, if you've got a, a million YouTube followers or two million people on Twitter, then the marketing people can see how your book can sell quite easily. Mm. So they look at that first, um, yeah. unfortunately. Mm -hmm. that that is a very good point that is kind of providing that these people into social media they do actually read books because they it is a different generation the kind of instagram and the twitter followers um that's right yes and i found a lot of my author friends from my age who don't have any social media numbers at all of any i don't have any numbers of significant numbers because right. we're not on that age yeah. Those people are in a disadvantageous position when it yeah. comes to interaction. It's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. But um, we will always want to seek out good writers, interesting books. And uh, we're living in an incredible times right now with the pandemic. Also, all the events happening around the world just now with the protests and uh, Black Lives Matter. How do you feel about that, Ben? Will you, would you like to write more about this? Yes, in fact, I am planning a, a Black Lives Matter book. Which Great. I'm crowdfunding yeah. at the moment. So if anybody wants to Google my name and go to Kickstarter, then I yeah. will go find me. Also, I have two things on there, trying to now raise some money to do a really amazing illustrated Black Lives Matter-related book, which encapsulates how we got here, the yeah. whole story of the 21st century, right up to George Floyd and all of the reactions of the Black Lives Matter movement. So if everything goes well, then, then that will be my, my next project. Excellent. That sounds, that sounds brilliant. But, I mean, it, it's devastating times, really, that we are going through right now, and writers are the people that need to respond to it. So this sounds like a really brilliant book, Ben. Yeah, thankfully, I, I hope so, and we are in a privileged position to have that outlet too. So yeah. the people that were marching, without judging their decision to go on marches in the middle of a pandemic, they've done it because they feel that strongly yes. about what's happened, and I respect and admire that. Absolutely, I, yeah. I, I, I am in a lucky position because I have another outlet for that as somebody who writes books, so mm. I can either march or not march, but I have another way of expressing it. Yes. And so when these things happen, everybody must express themselves in the best way that they can. Now, for some reason, that's marching. For me, it's about producing a book that may resonate among yeah. people in schools and colleges, universities, etc. For years. For the next 20 years. Yes. You know? So yeah. it's a movement and the narrative alive and informs all those who want to know about how we got here. So yeah. I'm very, very passionate about that. And, and I hope to be able to, to get this done and released for the summer next year. 
Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Ben. You've been uh, brilliant today. Wonderful to speak to you. Ben Arangandadi, can you just let us know how's the best way to find out more about you, your books, and your website, etc., please? Very good. So you can go to white, whitelabeledbooks.com. Yeah. You can find me there, whitelabeledbooks.com. Okay, marvellous. Well, thank you again, Ben, and uh, good luck with the new book, and I do hope we'll have you on the show again soon. Thank you. Great. Thanks very much, Deborah. Thank you. She came from Greece. She had a thirst for knowledge. She studied sculpture at St. Martin's College. That's what I Fragrances, candles, room sprays, perfumes, and colognes by Tessa Williams. Visit TessaWilliams.com.